You know, there's something I think we all hate, and that's when you get the response wrong to somebody in society. Just passing by, a little small talk, but your brain starts to anticipate what they're going to say. And then what just flies out of your mouth does not apply at all. Happens to all of us, of course. You know what I mean when somebody says, all right, see you later. And you say, you too. That doesn't exactly fit. You thought they might have said, have a good day. And you would say, you too. But they said, see you later. All right, you too. Nah, it's not a match. It's not a match. Usually it happens during exits, during departures. Somebody leaves. Could just be a stranger at the grocery store. Could be somebody at work. Somebody leaves. Say, all right, I'll see you around. And you say something like, me too. No, that didn't fit. That's why we really have to listen. We really have to do a better job of listening and not just giving that knee-jerk reaction, that quick reflex comment that is stored in our mind. Reactionary comments. I'd say 90% of the time I get them right. But today at the grocery store, I was in the coffee aisle. I got the Don Francisco's cylinder of vanilla nut. I think that's what it's called. It's pretty good. It's medium. Not too bold, folks. Not too bold, but bold enough. Not too bold as in you're going to need to run to the bathroom, but bold enough to wake you up, give you that jolt of energy you need. So I'm in the coffee aisle and I go for the cheapest. Yep. I just showed you all of my cards. Even Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which is good. Too expensive at the grocery store. So I grab the Don Francisco's vanilla nut. And there's this dude over my shoulder. This guy over my shoulder says, oh, that's my favorite one too. And I just look back and said, oh, thank you. So it kind of applies, right? Like, thank you. As if this guy's complimenting my style. But I don't know why, oh, thank you, flew out of my mouth. By the way, why did he need to tell me it's also his favorite coffee? Did he think we were going to become friends over this coffee coincidence? Really? You like Don Francisco's as well? Let's go to lunch. But I walked away from that thinking, no, thank you did not apply there. I should have said something like, really? Yeah, it is delicious. And winked. No one winks anymore. Nor should they. Thank you? As if that is Don Francisco for supplying the shelves of Safeway with his coffee. Thank you, Don. No, we were just having a coffee coincidence and I got the response wrong. Got to work on it. We all have to work on it. Or maybe we should all just agree to limit it to see ya, see ya, see ya, see ya. Although I would probably mess that up too. Somebody would say, see ya to me and I'd say, nor they you. It's a little much. All right, here we go. Welcome everybody. It's episode 40. We made it to 40 and we'll be talking about 40s on this podcast. That's right. I was thinking about the number 40. What comes to mind Ounces of malt liquor. Yeah. The suburban kids influenced by hip hop in the 90s. I don't think teens are reaching for the 40 ounces anymore. But then again, I have no clue what teens are doing. Blissfully unaware. And that's okay. But the news has informed me. The news. How vague is that? The news is telling me that teens are not exactly smoking cigarettes as much anymore. Picture high schools in the 70s and 80s. You know, kids go to the smoking area, the smoking pit. How foreign and odd does that sound now? There's no smoking area on a high school campus, but nowadays it's the e-cigs, the vaping, and the brand Juul, J-U-U-L, is under fire for targeting minors. Targeting minors, of course they are. They could claim that they're not. They could have the campaign to fight it, 
and say, no, we're trying to inform everybody about the hazards of nicotine. We're, we're going to get out in front of this problem. But just last week, the FDA announced they're proposing to ban all of the flavors. The mint, the mango, the vanilla, Don Francisco's vanilla nut vaping, tons of other flavors. Peach. Trying to think what the article said, but all of these flavors are absolutely intended to go for the kids. You don't see a lot of 40-year-olds saying, you know, I'd like to start up a habit. How about e-cigs, mango flavored, rare, but you go for the kids and you have the marketing campaign that's going to show them how fun and hip it is and it won't make you smell. It's different than cigarettes. There's not the stigma. There's no fire involved. It's inconspicuous. People won't even know you have smoked. So it's almost like e-cigarettes have gained a reputation for not being gross. See someone smoking a cigarette nowadays? How times have changed. It's not glorified anymore like the movies have done so well, but it's a little gross. You go, ugh. You ever see somebody smoking a cigarette in the morning? That's even more disgusting. You go, ew, really? Morning cig? But targeting minors with something rebellious and bad. That's an age-old concept for big business. Because that's when they're starting their habits. That's when they're forming their habits. And that's when they are so influential that they will see what their favorite rapper is doing and go, yeah, I like that. Or maybe an upperclassman is doing and making it look cool. I like that. Seeing how pop culture is making it look cool, then you do it and now you're cool. It's a simple math equation. And now I'm the old guy who could look at this situation and go, oh, that's awful. Targeting minors. But I was clearly susceptible to it as well. Of course. I think most people are. Not to say you don't have the discretion to fight it and know what's good and what's bad. But at a tender age, 15, 16, 17, 18, these high schoolers will happily go with the trend. Not all, but a lot. So it's good to see the FDA cracking down on Juul, which I read has cornered about 70% of the e-cigarette market. So I actually did talk about this with my students. We're talking about capitalism, big business, labor laws, business laws, monopolies, and nothing is more relevant right now than talking about e-cigs. So I said, yeah, Juul, when you see a company that has taken over 70% of the market, that's kind of smelling like a little monopoly right there. It's a brand name, but it's also a verb. Oh, you're juuling? Kind of like rollerblading. Really called inline skates. Should I go down that path again? Probably not. But this is actually a heavy topic. That's why we're jumping into it. It's a heavy topic. Now, from a parent's standpoint, I think, huh, how do you fight off the trendsetters when they're cooler than me? Really, when you're a teenager, who's cool? Your parents and teachers? Probably not. Hate to say it, probably not. 15-year-old me looked up to Tim Hardaway and Tupac. Tim Hardaway and Tupac, the way they talk, the way they dress. Not exactly, what are their morals? I'm interested in hearing about their ethics and values in life. No, but just the stuff on the surface, how they carry themselves, their charisma, their swagger. The impressionable Utes, my cousin Vinny, what is a Ute? But the impressionable Utes, they look up to the trendsetters and say, yeah, I like that. Not truly asking themselves, wait, what's my identity? That's why after high school, after college, later in life, you may start to find your identity and become somebody else. But in high school, you just see a lot of the sheep going together, traveling in packs. Will those packs remain after high school and college? No. 
Hey, friendships can remain, but usually these big groups, these big cliques, they don't stick together because most people find what their true identity is. Yet when you're in high school, you think, oh, that rapper has influenced all of us. So if I do mention Tupac, Tupac was associated with Alizé. Alizé. I think it was like an orange-flavored liqueur. Something we would have never thought about. But if Tupac talks about Alizé, then we want to try it. What's Tupac talking about? Alizé? Oh, we'll try that. Without Tupac, that's a gross drink. But all of a sudden, high school parties, what you got? Alizé. <laughs> Swisher Sweet and Alizé. Why? Do you truly want that right now? Do you enjoy consuming that? Deep down, the answer is, eh, probably not. But there's a Tupac song I really enjoy, and he talks about it. See, if you're watching this Hip Hop Evolution series on Netflix, or you know anything about hip hop, you've read about it, you know the roots of it, it's supposed to reflect the inner city. It's urban. It's rugged. We know that. The obvious origins of hip-hop that we know. But who were a lot of the consumers? The suburban kids who were buying the tapes and CDs and now, I guess, streaming or downloading the music. And the lyrics are still powerful. They're still influential. So rappers nowadays, holy shit. Face tats? Lots of face tats. Rapping about prescription drugs? Prescription drugs? Thank God I was not influenced by rappers talking about, hey, reach for the Xanax. Oxycontin. Coding. All these pills that I clearly don't want to be taking. If my favorite rapper's talking about it, then do I go, yeah, you know something? I do want a little Xanax. Because this guy who mumble raps with his face tattoo is talking about prescription drugs. It's pharmacy rap. Man, I'm into pharmacy rap. It's gross, though. It's an epidemic. And that's the ugly aspect, is that these rappers... God, I sound so old and out of touch, but let's be honest. These rappers are way cooler than a lot of the teen's parents. Parents trying to break through, have a heart-to-heart intervention. So you really shouldn't take these prescription meds just because your favorite rapper's talking about them. You would hope it's effective for parents, teachers, hopefully the media to reveal the true dangers and hazards. But to the tender young teens, we know pop culture is more influential. Jeweling looks fun. Not a lot of teens are inhaling the e-cig vapor and really thinking about what's happening to their bodies or minds or even thinking, hey, I am developing habits at this age. Nobody thinks that way. Blissfully unaware, naive. Try to avoid the word ignorant. That's too negative. But rewind. I'm going to rewind because this is episode 40. 40. And what does a 40 mean? To all of you listening right now, go, what is a 40? I looked it up. Because I was wondering, is there a connection to what Juul is doing, the e-cig world, targeting minors to what 40s were doing? And I found a great article. Actually, a scary article from 1993 in the New York Times. I'm just going to read some of it. This is the part of the podcast where I just read from the archives. But the article, it did talk about how they were targeting black and Hispanic youths with these fat bottles of malt liquor. What's malt liquor? Beer brewed with sugar for an extra alcoholic kick. And in the article, it says, here we go. Some teenagers call malt liquor liquid crack in tribute to its potency and to the dismay of drug counselors, social workers, and ministers who see malt liquor as a dangerous drug in sheep's clothing. The 40 ounce bottles with brands like King Cobra, Crazy Horse, Colt 45, and St. Ides have become an accessory to the youth culture ensemble of baggy clothes, expensive work boots, and street hardened attitudes. Tap the Bottle, a new song celebrating the consumption of 40-ounce malt liquor, has become a hit on the rap charts. The essence of the 40 
is its combination of size, power, and price. Between $1.25 and two fifty. and this article is in the early 90s, but I remember these prices, $1.25 and two fifty. essentially the same as a quarter bottle, alcohol content of 56 to 8%. Compared with 3.5% for regular beer, the 40-ounce bottles offer more punch for the money. And then it goes on to talk about how the brewing companies have been criticized for their marketing campaigns that are targeting the youths. If you're in advertising and you know the most successful path is to target the most impressionable consumers, of course you're going to take that angle. It's frowned upon, but it's not a surprise. It's big business, folks. It's big business. The article also goes on to say drug counselors, health officials say that while they know of no studies of malt liquor consumption by young people in the inner city, they do see signs of increasing underage drinking linked to the availability of the large bottles. So, in essence, teens that may have never even thought, I'm interested in drinking malt liquor, would turn to it because A, the marketing campaigns, or B, the pop culture rap influence. So today, you gotta wonder, are there teens that wouldn't really want to smoke any cigarette or jewel, but they go, well, it's mango flavored. That's fun. Peach. I like peach. Oh, vanilla. And then they see it in a hip hop video. Hip hop video. Do those even exist? I actually don't know. Are there rap videos still? I'm not trying to make a joke right now. I don't even know. But I assume if there are, there's some jeweling going on. You see it? Am I opening some eyes right now? Did you even know that this is happening right now? Have I got you all stressed out and worried? If you're a parent, what are they doing? What are they doing on the streets? And because it's the New York Times, this article, they have a ton of sources, interviews of teens talking about how they're addicted. It set the tone for a life dependent on alcohol, uh, the health risks, diseases that formed, all because they turned to the 40. And you're like, really? That's what comes to mind when you think of the number 40? And I have to be honest, yeah, 40. And teens turn it into games. You play Edward 40 hands. It's where you duct tape them to your hands and you can't do anything with your hands because they're now 40s. Not hands. That's 80 ounces of malt liquor. Just poisoning kids. The Beastie Boys. I love the Beastie Boys. Rapping about Brass Monkey. I think that was where you pour out part of the 40 and you fill some with orange juice. And kids listen to the Beastie Boys and before they even ask themselves, do I even like orange juice and malt liquor? They go, let's try it. I like the way the rap sounds. I want to live the lifestyle. It goes so far beyond lyrics, doesn't it? So far beyond lyrics. Rap is the culture. That's what's appealing. How they dress, how they sound. Pretty sure it's the reason why I still hear teens using the N-word so freely within their groups of friends. Certainly not as an epithet, at least when I overhear it. And I do get involved. Anytime I hear it as a teacher, I overhear it. I absolutely address it. Teachable moments, right? Or the kid will get in trouble. Something like that. You can't just overlook it and go, teens being teens, hell no. If they're learning this kind of shit from rap, and I love rap. I do, but I've reached this age of 37 where I'm not influenced at all by it. Wouldn't that be sad if I was? Just got a teardrop tattoo on my face. Took an Oxycontin today as I'm jeweling throughout this podcast. Yeah, I'm into new rap. I really like the culture. Really into it. I connect with it. Uh, yep. American people, they uh, connect with the modern rap. I'm going to go ahead and not try my Obama impressions ever again. I do wonder, though, thinking about it, what if the culture was different? What if they were promoting 
morals, values, positive things, eating organic, not saying the N-word. And teens not even caring to understand the magnitude of that word or that drug or that beverage called malt liquor. Teens are not studying and researching the health benefits or the detriments of a lot of this stuff that's being glorified and promoted into their faces. It's what we, the old people, do. And then we do podcasts, informative podcasts. That's all we do. The teens, though, they're having fun with it. At least in their heads, it's fun. Until the party ends. Scared straight. That's where I'm going with this. Until the party ends. Today, I brought in a guest from the streets. His name's Hank. Hank, describe what you were telling me earlier. Nope, we don't have a guest in studio today. Okay, but you know what I mean. To see all these kids that created their awful habits when they were teens, not able to kick it, some of them, and definitely including my group of friends and people I've known, have had to back away from it. Substance abuse is no joke. Where's all this developed? I've even talked with psychologists about this. The behavioral patterns that you develop when you're young, even within your group of friends, people you trust the most, those are the toughest to break. Because you'll see these people throughout your life, throughout your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, and you lapse. People lapse back into behavioral patterns, and it's totally unintentional. But it's natural. It's what happens. It's not like everybody just matures together. Hey, now we're not teens anymore. Now we act like 20-year-olds together. Hey, now we're not 20-year-olds. Now we act like young professionals and 30-year-olds together. No, that's not how it works. Some people lapse. Arrested development. It's getting a little preachy here, huh? Let's avoid that. Let's go back to the fun stuff. I do want to declare, though, right now. I do want to announce I've never jeweled. I've never hit an e-cigarette. I'm past that. And I have no tattoos. I think I got past that. I have no face tats, believe it or not. But you gotta wonder... If you were a teen today, if you're listening to this, you're in your, let's say, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s. What if you were a teen today? Do you think you would have been susceptible to the influence of Juul prescription medication wrappers? You think? Or do you go, God, no. I would have been smart enough to avoid the bullshit. I don't know. I do know that 40 ounces seemed very cool to me when I was probably the size of a 40 ounce. St. Ides. Over 7% liquor. Just listening to our favorite rap songs, thinking that's the epitome of cool. It's more of a societal observation. And everything about the FDA responding is reactionary. There's something new. People are consuming. It's hazardous. Yeah, we got to react with laws. But the laws, you know, they never come before the hazards. Reactionary. It's like putting a Surgeon General's warning on cigarettes. My mom even tells me back in the day, cigarettes, there was no stigma glorified you put an ashtray out you have people over at your house you put an ashtray out yeah people just smoked you watch mad men making cigarettes look very normal not just cool but just very normal nowadays someone in your group of friends i guess i'm just projecting my own life but just as smoking 20 cigarettes a day when you're talking to them go out to a meal with them they have to step outside sounds weird just sounds like an odd lifestyle to be so hooked on something that's so clearly bad for you All the facts are out there. All the information's out there. You are killing yourselves. All right, turning the page for a moment. Turning the page a little bit, but still focusing on the world of music for a moment. At what age does it stop? Ask yourselves that question. Because when you're young and a new tape would come out, CD, record, when you're young and your favorite singer, rapper, or band put out something, that would change your life. It was too exciting. And the idea of seeing them in concert, holy shit, that's the best. 
but it ends. And I'm bringing this up because I actually am excited about a band right now. There's a band that I like a lot, a lot, where my youthful exuberance is back, but it hasn't been. Listening to podcasts and talk radio for so long, I almost forgot what it was like to get truly excited about music. Teens do. Something by Bieber, Taylor Swift comes out, Kendrick Lamar. They go fucking nuts. It consumes them. They memorize lyrics. They dance to it at school dances. It's a big deal. They act like them. They talk like them. They're influenced. So I guess this is all connected. But it ends at some point. You rarely see somebody in their 50s and 60s still that excited about new music being released. Sure, the Rolling Stones can go on concert tours and attract the same audience they've been attracting. And maybe that's still exciting in a nostalgic way that is somewhat current. But even for me at this age, if any artist that I liked put out some new music, I couldn't see myself getting that excited. Maybe like, yeah, that sounds good. Like even Eminem, Eminem put out something recently, did nothing for me. But about 15 years ago, that would have been, hey, all right, let's listen. Let's enjoy this. This sounds overly cynical, but it's true. I wonder if something happens with our brain chemistry as we grow up where music is just a little less exciting. It's a little less exciting. I like to go to about a concert a year. It sounds good enough. And who would I basically want to see? Yeah, groups that are established. I always thought I would see Tom Petty. Actually, that was sad. Of of all the celebrity deaths in the last couple of years, I was like, truly disappointed with that one. Tom Petty and Prince. I always thought I I would see Prince. I remember at San Diego State studying. That's right, kids. I studied at the Love Library, which overlooked the open-air theater. And there was one night that Tom Petty was actually playing. He had a show in the open-air theater. And you could hear it. So I was close to a Tom Petty show but I had to keep my nose in the books. And if anything, I was probably distracted or annoyed. I was like, come on, keep it down, Tom. Try to study. Tommy, I'll see you some other time. But look out a window, and this was a great on-campus venue, the open-air theater. You look into it on the campus of San Diego State, just a great-looking amphitheater, up in smoke, people dancing, partying, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, making beautiful sounds close to the library. And I always thought, truly always thought, I'll see him live. See him live one day. So that's kind of the genre of music I'm going for when it comes to concerts. I'm not going to a Kendrick Lamar show. I ain't doing it. Paul Simon comes to town? Yeah. Let's pay some cash. I'm an old pony. Put me out to pasture. Music still sounds good. I don't want to make it that drastic. Music still sounds good. But does it sound as good as the first time I heard You Can't Touch This by Hammer, not knowing that was a Rick James beat? That excitement to hear Nirvana in utero? That excitement? You talk about it with your friends? What's your favorite song on that tape? Now, it's like, eh, all right. Put on some Pandora jazz. (laughs) I love how stupid this sounds. Put on some Pandora jazz. Saute my vegetables, my organic vegetables. Sip my herbal tea. Ask my daughter, how was your day? Like the Will Ferrell skip. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I could do 20 push-ups. You know, the suburban family. Anybody? Or they just sit there quietly eating, having tepid small talk. How was your day? Good. How was your day? Can somebody turn up the Pandora Jazz station? Thank you. Oh, but here's the band I found. Here's where I rediscovered myself. Bahamas. There you go. You never heard of it? Google it. Put it on your Spotify, your iTunes, your Pandora. Bahamas. I'll say it again. I'll even spell it. B-A-H-A. M-A-S. Not talking about a geographic region, folks. I'm not talking about a beautiful area with beaches. I'm talking about a Canadian band. This dude can sing. The sound is pure. 
little folksy. Little indie, little rock and roll. It's got hints of a lot of the things I like. A lot of hints of this and hints of that, but it's still an original sound. So listen to an entire album. It's like when somebody tells you to start watching a show from the beginning. Oh, Sopranos? You've never seen The Sopranos? you got to get a DVD box set of everything. Just watch it all. No one's ever going to really do that. The Wire on HBO? I've never seen The Wire, but people get shocked and they go, you got to start from the beginning and watch them all. Um, fuck no. How about that? Of course I won't. But Bahamas, write it down. Put it in your memory box right now. And listen, some of you will like it. Some of you old people listening right now, or I should say older, who are thinking, yeah, I, I do listen to too many podcasts or just talk radio. Check it out. It's a good band. Bahamas. Should I say it again? Are you like, I, I heard you. You even spelled it, you boron. B-A-H-A. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. And if you like it, tweet at me. And if you don't, yeah, yeah, still tweet at me at jrosenberg957. Let's create a forum. Let's turn this into a community. All six of you listeners who I love so much. You made it to episode 40. Look at you. You look so good. Isn't this the best medium, though? Let me get back to talk. Sure, radio's good. Talk radio, or at least it used to be. I don't listen much anymore. But think about all the podcasts of people who now have a forum that would have never been on radio, like Theo Vaughn. He would have never gotten a radio show. I now listen to Theo Vaughn. It's great. Bobby Lee, the comic from Mad TV. He would have never had this avenue without this new medium. I still call podcasts a new medium. Mark Marin, obviously. He was on terrestrial radio, but the best thing he's ever done is this podcast. Pete Holmes, a stand-up comic, love his podcast. He would have never had a radio show. The amount of people that are saying something that matters, whether it's intelligent, funny, but now they just have an avenue to in their bedroom or in a living room, just turn on a mic, start recording, put it out there, and you develop a fan base of people that actually get you. There's zero reason to listen to a podcast if you're not feeling it. There's millions out there, right? Okay, maybe I overshot it, but there's hundreds of thousands out there. So you'll find one for you. I know I've talked about this, but it's amazing. And then you listen to the people on talk radio and you go, okay, these are the select few that are employed. Good for you. But they have to try to cater to the needs of a variety of listeners. Podcasts, you don't. You just do you. You do your thing. You attract a little niche audience. And then it turns into something fun. Hopefully it's fun. It gets a little more fun, I think. After episode 40, that's what they say. After episode 40, that's when you really kick it into gear. Hit the accelerator. That's when your liquid ball bearings start uh, going with the pistons and the real axles. Uh, I don't know anything about cars. Okay. Uh, that car analogy fell flat. That's when you really get the horsepowers, you know, and the oil and the um, hubcaps. I don't air conditioning. I V8 cylinders. Um, let me Google car things for this analogy. But yeah, that's that's when it really starts to hum after episode 40. Oh, yeah. That's when you really start to screech your tires on donuts on donuts on the front lawn. No, anybody? Oh, shit. I know there was one more thing. I know there was one more thing I wanted to say. I'm acting like this is it. This is it. If I don't say it now, I'm screwed. Oh, boy. I saw Crazy Rich Asians. No, that wasn't it. I thought it was a B. It's okay. Is this where everybody goes, the book was better. Dee, 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 dee. The book was better. I love that response. The book was better. Okay. 
But if you see the movie and you don't love the movie, you're never going to read the book, right? Right? But if you read a book that's like a B, you still have to see the movie. That's a rule. If you ever read a book that has been turned into a movie, you got to see it. Absolutely. Gots to see it. I'm trying to wrap this up. Actually, I'll just wrap it up with happy holidays. I I got nothing. I was going to talk about how my wife and I went to a hotel lobby lounge restaurant uh, two minutes away. You're not supposed to do that. I don't think. And then as we were walking in, I said, let's pretend we're not from here. This is too embarrassing. Of all the restaurants to go to a happy hour dining experience at 5.15 p.m. at a local hotel, I said, let's just pretend we're from Iowa. And it was more fun. A little role play. That'll spice up your family world. A little, we're from Iowa. Hey, what's fun to do around here? That's an impression of somebody from Iowa. It's perfect, by the way. You didn't know they have an accent? That's it, just right there. Hey, what's fun to do around here? Perfect. Don't don't even YouTube it. Just take my word for it. I do a really good Iowa accent. All right, so happy holidays to you. It's night number one of Hanukkah, so it's about to get a little wild around these ports. Around these ports? Way to fuck up your exit around these parts. That's episode 40. It's now in the books. Cheers. I'll talk to you soon.